Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. So welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast, where each week I'm joined by some of the world's most renowned faces in the entertainment industry, on the sports field, corporate leaders, and inspirational thought leaders around the world, each sharing their own truths and personal journeys. Today, we have none other than Christy Maggio. Christy is an entrepreneur in education and author of the award-winning book, Follows and Likes, Is This All That I'm Worth? And the Amazon new release bestseller, Young Changemakers. She's dedicating to create access to education and employment opportunities worldwide. For over 20 years, she watched many children fail and feel inadequate merely because they didn't fit into the traditional way of learning. As a result, she chose to take action and founded a school that gives students the tools to create success in their life, no matter who they are or where they come from. After starting Maggio Multicultural Academy in the Dominican Republic in 2016, Christie's mission became clear to impact the lives of 1 billion youth in the next 10 years by providing an educational program based on entrepreneurship and applied learning. Not only has she gone on to do that, but today she is a world renowned speaker, author, and regularly shares some of the biggest stages around the world with the likes of Evan Carmichael, JT Fox, George Rush, Greg Reed, Sean Canaan. Sharon Lecter, Forbes Riley, and Naveen Jain. So first and foremost, I'm excited about this episode because she is a personal friend of mine, somebody that I've got to know over the years, and somebody who is such an inspirational thought leader, game changer, and the rest. Welcome to the show, Christy Maggio. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Always a pleasure. Now, Everybody can see, everybody can read your bio. We can see all the incredible things you're doing for the future generations, making an impact. And I want to touch on that a little bit later, but there's a reason you do what you do and why you do it. Why do you fight for the underdog? And why do you want to change this generational poverty that you see, not just in the Dominican Republic where you set up your school, but globally? I think for me, the important thing is... A lot of it has to do with how my perspective of my childhood. And so, you know, it's that when you, when I look out there and I see youth today, just searching for that place to fit in, I am constantly reminded to myself about how that was me when, when I was growing up. So, you know, growing up, I was a very overweight child, um, and often made fun of. I I never looked at it as bullying. I just looked at it as kids being mean, um, which, which they are and they, they will be, but you know, that was really hard for me in the sense of feeling comfortable with myself, believing in myself. And for years, it came to a point of stuffing down my feelings. Um, and just that idea of, growing up with the, the child is meant to be deceived, not heard. Um, and, and, and other, other things that came in, into that. But so I often used food as my coping mechanism, um, as a child and growing up. So in and of that self, then g- trying to find 
those people that I fit in with or who are friends of mine. And not so much in elementary school, but in, in middle school and high school is where it started to get really difficult. And in looking at that, um, I was the not so attractive child. My sister was very, um, you know, thin, popular, that whole area. And I just didn't know where, where I fit in or, or belonged. I just felt like I didn't, wasn't part of what the world was looking for, but that also doesn't come from other people. Those were things that I ultimately put in place on myself. So while we often say, I think he or she thinks this about me or that about me, um, or doesn't see that deem me worthy of anything, it's not really he or she saying anything because I don't know what anybody really thinks about me, neither do you, neither does anybody else. It's projecting what we think about ourselves on other people. And so because I didn't feel good enough, I didn't feel comfortable enough, I didn't believe in myself at that point in time, I ultimately felt like that's what other people were thinking about me as well. And so that's really where where a lot of things stem from. You mentioned something there that I just want to pick upon because in a family situation, you mentioned about your sister, this almost what we see in today's age with social media and highlights and pertaining to what IPC is about, about removing this mask. Looking from an inside perspective and your personal experience, when you was almost, I don't know if there was comparing yourself like a lot of people do these days, like she's thin, she's pretty, she's popular. Where do I fit in? What about me? How deep did that go internally? And how did you turn that around and finally accept yourself for your imperfections, knowing that you're perfect just the way that you are? And how long did you lose a relationship with your sister in telling yourself these things? She had her own journey that she was going through, her own struggle, her own thing. And, and to her, I probably you know, years later, when we, when we actually sat down and talk about it for her, I was cold and, uh, you know, turned off and, you know, always in my room, never being approachable or things like that. So her perspective of me was very, was probably shadowed from my perspective of her, you know? And so when we think about that, you know, I lost years of a relationship with her and we just never saw eye to eye. We were two completely different people. With that, it took a long time for, for that relationship to be rebuilt. And I think a lot of times, even today, you know, I grew up in the 80s, early 90s, so aging myself there. But <laughs> at the same time, <laughs> when, when you look at MTV, movies, videos, all of that stuff, there's that perception of thin, beautiful, popular in the movies. And as a teenager, that's really your whole life. It really is 
everything to you and that's what you want to be. And if you don't have that guidance or that guide in order to say, you know what, this is just a small blip of your life. This is just a little part. Be yourself, believe in yourself, be true to yourself because everybody is different and everybody's meant to be different. Then, you know, you're there drowning from your own mind and your own thoughts and getting yourself sometimes into some serious trouble. That's that's so important to know because as we see, we're just seeing these highlights of people pertaining to live this best life of theirs and hashtag winning because of what they're seeing and how we are, I suppose, indoctrinated from an early age of what success is, what fame is and what we need to be and how we need to look. And actually it's the role reversal. But as you said there, when we're young, when we're teenagers, there's the hormonal issues and we don't know what's left. We don't know what's right. We don't know if we're coming forwards or backwards and everything. But I know you've spoken openly before about a pivotal moment that changed a lot more for you that went deeper with your mental health. And I've heard you talk deep about that and how that shaped your future and how you looked at things as well. At that point in my life, um, I was probably, I was 15 and I was just really going against everything. My parents were divorced. And so everything that I was doing at that point, um, they got divorced at a young age, but everything that I was doing was trying to get that attention from my father and the negative attention, obviously, because that's really, that's what, when my mom would call him to discipline. So he would come around to discipline us and on report card days, that's really when we would see him. And so my idea was, well, if I'm getting in trouble, then maybe he'll take note more. Whereas in my mind, I was also like, well, I really don't care what he says or what he wants or whatever it it might be. And so I started hanging around with the Grom group of people and this happens to so many young people. Um, they're just looking for that place to fit in, that place to belong. And my best friend was, she came from a good family, but it was those that she surrounded herself with as well. And one evening we decided that we were going to go to this really bad area. I told my mom I was spending the night at her house and we got in the car with a friend. Uh, again, I was 15 at this time and went to this really horrible neighborhood where they just tell you, just don't walk outside at nighttime there. But we were cool. We're 15. We're, you know, everything. This is a great experience, yada, yada, yada. And so we got there, we're walking and, and we meet these people and we're just hanging out. And then one of the girls that we're with um, gets in an argument with this other girl and they start fighting. And I'm there like just in shock. And so all of these people start coming out of the woodwork and, you know, watching this fight and they're over in the distance and I'm standing next to another friend that's with us. And all of a sudden she says, you know, this one guy comes walking past and like, I'm not afraid to hit any of you. Um, and so he just turns and cold clocks this girl that's standing next to me, knocks her right out. And just, I could still hear her head hit the pavement and I'm standing there like in shock. This is pre-cell phone. This was pre-everything. But also the other thing was, is that I, 
that point in time, I was also carrying a knife with me because I knew that where we were going was not the greatest place. So imagine all of those things. Had I taken the knife out, had I done something differently, how much my life could have changed in that, in that one very short moment from one very stupid choice that I made. But I was just thinking how much fun it was going to be to be there, to be out, cool, friend, you know, whatever. But yet the consequences of that choice were very deep. She was in a neck brace for a very long time. Um, Thank God she didn't die. But after that, you know, we had to run door to door to try and find something that would let us in to call 911. Um, And I had to call my mom from the hospital at about midnight in a town that's 30 away, 30 minutes away from where I lived. And she had to come and pick me up. And we never spoke about it again. Um, she never told my father. I never, she just like, this is never to be, you know, not to be spoken about. You're grounded forever. I was already, I already punished myself and not like there's nothing, nowhere, nothing anybody could ever even attempt, you know, tempt me to do because I was like, that was just a culminating moment where I then regressed or not regressed, retreated from everything. Like I just didn't want to be friends with anybody. I didn't want to know anything. I didn't, you know, so I kind of just stayed secluded because that was a huge, really big pivotal moment where I realized that one wrong move, one mistake could really literally cost you your life. Wow. Do you think looking back at that point and your mum's there protecting you, she's doing what she knows at the time, the right thing, but with not talking about it, it suppressed a lot of those feelings. And why I bring this up is because a lot of people do suppress those feelings, whether they're told to externally or whether they're doing it internally themselves, going, I can't tell anybody, what's anyone going to think? But what we tend to do is internalize it and it comes out the wrong way. So how, I know that you retracted, you didn't want to be friends with anybody, but looking back now, if you could go back to that situation with your mum, with older eyes as you are now, would you think it would have been better to sit down and speak as a family unit and seek that help? I think the one thing is that I can say for anybody that is, is has experienced it or going through it right now, there are multiple things that have, that have re, you know, come up in my path from, from those, those moments, but, and sometimes adults don't know how to deal with it themselves. And so, yes, probably would it have helped? Would I have even been susceptible to it at that moment in my life? I don't know. I might have fought against it, even though I needed to talk about it because my brain was just a 15-year-old kid who was hurt and not knowing where to go or what to do. Um, I don't know that I would have even 
been able to look at it differently. But the one thing I, I can say and that I say all the time is that even from different things that happened to me in younger years, sometimes parents are doing the best that they can, you know, justification to be short with our kids or with those around us. See, listening to you that, and I've got to know you quite some time now, and you're a trailblazer when it comes to entrepreneurship in this school sector, making a difference in the lives of so many children around the world. And you regularly speak about it with some very prolific people up on stages and making a difference. Now, I wanted to touch on that basis there because when kids are looking at highlights on social media and not speaking out, you chose to step forward and use your platform to bring it back again to basics towards kids through your book, Follows and Likes, Is That All I'm Worth? So why did that come about? Was it because, and I, I know the answer because we spoke often about it, but I, I just want to bring it into, into parents' eyes that might be listening to this about what's so integral about this book pertaining to Follows and Likes and what we're seeing, how detrimental it is becoming towards kids' mental health. I think the important thing with that is, and, and one of my reasonings for doing it is simply because of the fact that we are looking through a lens that is not real. We as adults, young people too, and with young people, they need to realize that it's, you know, the majority of what you're seeing on there is... Not that it's not real, but some of it, it, I mean, some of it is not real, but it's fake and made up. And this all stemmed from my desire at the beginning of, of COVID to, to really, really pivoted myself in my learning of so many things. And I had this breakthrough moment, like, why did I not learn this at a younger age? Why? Like, why is this not taught in schools? And not just the social media part, because I mean, it's the whole entrepreneurial journey that that I discovered how social media can also help youth in a way that changes people's lives. So for me, I know for a fact, if I had social media as a teenager, I've been done for, like just done for. And it's getting them to understand and have that conversation. And it needs to be taught in taught in schools also that what you put on there it's almost like it's like you can't take it back it's out there somewhere forever and so there are two perspectives of it and knowing that what you're seeing the majority is just hype and not real and helping them because I see what I would have been like had I had social media, helping them really discover that it's okay to be your authentic self. And I know that this ultimately is what God has placed on my heart. We could essentially say there, why isn't it taught at an older age as well? Because what you touched upon there with the entrepreneurial journey is one of the hardest things to walk through. And as we are seeing a lot of highlight reels through social media, 
a lot of manipulative marketing. Now, that's not new. It's been around for a long time where people are selling highlights, so it draws people's attention, so they buy packages and everything. And one of the things, obviously, with the IPC, with what you do, is about exposing those masks and just saying, speak your truth. If you truly want to help people, you can do it from a good place and you can still attain that success, whatever that may look like to you. But what we are seeing, again, is affecting entrepreneurs' mental health, that worth. Still, it comes into play. We've both seen it through platforms like LinkedIn, through Clubhouse, and people pretending to put on this persona to attract people to be clients of theirs, yet they're not aligned because they're not living that authentic self. So your journey, you... I'm going to let you speak to the audience and speak into it, but from an external point of view is why I'm bringing it up because I've known you for quite some time now. But if I looked at trajectory of yours, it goes, all right, Christy went to the Dominican Republic. She saw a gap in the market where she really wanted to make a difference. She opened a school, the pandemic hit, she came back. She did online tutoring. Whilst that happened, she went back. She opened this new school, this brand new big school. She's on world stages with some of the biggest names talking about what she does. It looks incredible. What's the reality? Yeah. Wow. Then anybody would want to be me at that point. That, that, <laughs> yeah. in the Hashtag winning. I want to be at that point. Um, you know, I came here, I came to the Dominican Republic in 2013. And prior to that, I had just a few months prior to it. Like, and this is how, how much universe God when it's your time, when it's your purpose, when you, you know, when you know, in 2003, I came here on vacation and there was such a strong energy about the place. I didn't understand what it was, why it was, how it was. I've only had that feeling twice in my life. And that was, that was one of them. And so I knew something was going to come of it. And so 2010, 10 years or pretty much exactly, I was here again on vacation. And that was when I decided that I was going to come here to perfect my Spanish. And after coming here to perfect my Spanish, because I wanted to go back and be an administrator in schools in the United States, I saw the market, the opportunity. Now, I didn't just open up a school. I didn't have money to just open up a school. Um, but it even got more and more in my head and more and more through my belief in God and more and more that I was listening, really listening to what was being told to me that I said, okay, I'm going to stay. Now, again, that didn't look anything pretty. I didn't have a car for three years. I used to take the bus to the supermarket with a little carry-on suitcase so that I could go and get groceries once a week. It wasn't for three years of tutoring out of my own home, seven days a week, day in, day out, that I finally opened the doors with seven students, right? It wasn't some massive thing. And so... With that being said, I had to borrow money from from family members just to open it. And I had everybody every week, like, when are you going to come home? When are you going to be responsible? When are you going to, you know, 
stop playing around and, you know, and I just had to just let it, like, I just had, and it was so hard. Now, when I opened, I was everything, right? I was the, I had three teachers. They weren't trained teachers. So I had to train them. I had to write all the lesson plans. I had to do, um, the marketing I had to do, I was still tutoring full-time out of my house, making lunches for the kids, doing transportation. Like that is what happened, right? Like that was my reality of the first year to make it work. I had just, you know, put money down on land and I was getting ready. You know, we were growing really fast, but then the, the pandemic hit and I lost everything. I lost the deposit, all the money, um, parents stopped paying for the school, even though I was doing everything I could to make sure the kids were getting the education still. I mean, I was on YouTube twice a day, um, live classes. Um, but anyways, so with that being said, and then at the end of the year, I did not pivot fast enough. I didn't know how to pivot. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to survive. So I said, I'm just going to do online. And, but I didn't have enough business sense or anything like that to know really what to do. I lost, when I say I lost everything to the point where I had to sell everything in the school, computers, laptop, tablet, so that I could then pay off the teachers because they had to, pay, I had to pay severance. I had to pay the rest of the rent from the rest of the school year. And while people were saying, oh, but it's COVID, don't worry. Like I'm responsible. I will pay my debts. I, I stayed there for a little bit in here and there a little bit longer. And I had to go home for a year and I had to go back and, and live with my mom at 43 years old. And so people don't see that, right? They see what is now. But if you really delve in, and this is what I do with, say with everybody, all my students, everybody, that journey, like you said, what you see on a highlight reel, what you see in, in those things. And it's not that I'm not a success. I am a success. Why am I a success? Because I didn't give up. Even when that happened, when I had to go back home again, everyone was like, just get a regular job. Just go back to teaching. You can get $100,000 a year being a school administrator. All of these different things. And I'm like, no, I don't know why this happened or what happened, but I know what's been placed on my heart. And that's the hardest part is when you've been like Rome fell, so to speak. I'm literally from Rome, New York, but Rome fell like for me, Everything crumbled and I was in the ruins and, but I didn't stop trying to figure out a way to get back up again. And it was during that time that, that we met, you know, but I really pushed and pushed and attempted and got to know and learned as much as I could while I was there, while I was in that moment. And it was one of those things that I could have, I, I had two choices. I could have given up. 
I could have said, all right, this wasn't for me, which is where most people do give up in that first sign of defeat. In that first thing that they doesn't go the way you planned it to. I mean, I, I have every right to have given up, right? But I couldn't because number one, all of the things I learned during that time said, don't give up my faith in, in God said, don't you dare. And like, I just knew that, you know, he gave this to me. He, he, he's not going to promise me something and then turn around and not allow it to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that moment was when my dad passed away from COVID and a lot of clarity came to me in that moment because he had, I had none of that happened had, you know, everything not crumbled. I would never have been able to spend the last few months of his life with him. Now in the later part of my life, my dad and I had a great relationship. I used to work with him. We mow lawns and landscaping and all that stuff. And we'd go to coffee every morning. And so I was blessed with that downfall. So a lot of times people don't see that silver lining. They can't understand why did this happen to me? But just know that you will understand eventually. Might not be tomorrow. Might not be in a month. Might not be in a year. For me, it was two years later that I could recognize and understand why it happened. People don't recognize sometimes, and it's, again, coming to this notion that we've all kind of been indoctrinated to, if it don't work, quit. We go into the ego. We allow it so easily. And attesting to IPC and attesting to what you've done, where we came to meet, which is something you touched upon earlier, you, you do cut through the noise and you do gain a discernment to listen. And if you listen intrinsically to that voice or listen to really connect with people, that what you said, thinking about when we first met on that clubhouse app and we was in a room and there was a lot of ego stroking in that room, remember, when it was like, I do this, I do that. I've never been about that. I like to know a person. And our friendship now has grown two years, maybe three years now. And that came from one meeting. So even along that, the right people are actually brought to us if you listen and you take the time. And on this entrepreneur journey, I've spoken about it before, it can lead to mental health struggles in that it is very lonely. You're battling against all these ego, this, I can't do this. Can I do this? You're doing that. And you need the people around you. As with mental health, you need to speak out on this. But can you just go into that piece a little bit more for anyone who is on this entrepreneurial journey, who, like I spoke about the trajectory of what looks like an ultimate form of success for you, just going, 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 and then associating with the people that you get to do who are multimillionaires who are billionaires that in and of itself is not an easy process because these people who are truly successful i always say read their autobiography read what it took just like christie's there's a story behind it what we're seeing in these highlight reels 
you can go to six, seven figures within six weeks, 12-week programs, all this, that, and that. The people that you get to associate and why I want to touch upon this is because just to open people's eyes to the fact that these highlight reels are merely one aspect that you can look at if it's affecting your mental health, move away from it. Look at the people who are truly making a difference. When did your eyes open to the fact that the people that you wanted to be around, that energy, that space where they are really living their authentic self and making their dreams come true? When did that come to a realization? Because you spoke about that. You didn't have the business acumen at that time when you needed to pivot. So how did you transition and have a look into that? Yeah, I will put it in in as much of a nutshell as I can here. But I mean, it was, you have to, you have to like sort through the feed because everybody promises the world. And let me tell you, if it's too good to be true, it probably is, right? Um, and And so- in experiencing and listening and all of that stuff. And, you know, even with, with, with us on clubhouse and going into the ego and, and everything like that, like we try so many people try and portray something that they're not right. It's building those relationships and they take time building a relationship with someone who is successful in their own right, and I'm not saying successful because they're a celebrity or money or whatever, takes time and energy. And in the the first book I wrote, the reasoning I learned so much while I was saying, I'm going to do this for young people because they should learn it at a younger age. I was also doing it for myself because I didn't learn it at a younger age. So I was trying to get it at that point in time. And it's the stories that uplifted me to say, you know what? This is why I'm not going to quit. Because success in whatever you do is going to have ups and downs and failures and all of that stuff. But because that's when you look at anybody who has created the life that they want and success is setting a goal and actually achieving that goal to have the life that you want to live. It's not about cars or being an actor or famous or fortune or what celebrity status or whatever it is. It's literally becoming what you want for yourself. And so looking at all of these different people, it's mind blowing how many who were down with their legs chopped off pretty much, found them and grew them back to come back bigger and better than ever. And they broke the barriers. And that was my inspiration. That is what kept me going. That is what kept me going along with my faith. Because what I do is not for me. It's for the glory of of God. And, And you and I often talk about that. But what I do on this earth is is to make the world a better place because I have been told to by a higher power. And, and I believe in that. I truly believe in that because when times are down, times are hard, times are tough, 
the the answer always comes right back and it comes back with a vengeance, you know, and I love what somebody says that I often listen to is like every set back is a set up for something greater. And so when people are asking me, Christy, why, how can you be so excited? Like you lost everything. You lost everything. How is it that you get your, you get up every morning still at 3am to do whatever. And you've got nothing. You're living at home with your mom. Like, because that one thing, every set with every set back, you're being set up for something greater. If I look at all the things that I've accomplished and how great they were, if it's going to be greater than what I've already accomplished, I'm like, this is super exciting. <laughs> it truly is so powerful. And like, guys, anyone that's listening, just take that in for a moment because this podcast, as we know, started with mental health, well-being, move forward. A lot more people came on started talking about faith, spirituality, and it's that belief. It's not here to preach and make you into believing something that someone else does. That's your own prerogative. However, the commonality between a lot of people have had that belief in themselves. And I want to draw a point to this because it's something that you actually said to me that got stuck in my head. And guys, you need to check out Christy and follow her on socials because she posts so much wisdom. You can tell it comes from the heart. And when you know someone's got the hand of God placed upon the head and moving forward, get around the energy and learn from them. But that thing, what you started talking about in what made you keep going, the encouragement and, and the stories what kept me going on this journey, and I've spoken this before with you, is that little meme where you see a man that's digging for gold and he gives up and then someone else comes along and he digs a little bit further and then he gets the jackpot. The other thing was something that you said and it's just stuck in my head going forward and you're saying the day that you actually do pass over and you are meeting God and God greets you, and there's another version of yourself stood there and you presented with them. And that other person, God presents you as, this is the person that you could have been had you have not given up. Wow. Oh, that, that I will take with me forever because it's so true. It's, we give up so easy. And guys, anyone that's listening, it is hard. This journey, this, that's why I wanted to talk about the trajectory of, of you from an external point of view it looks incredible. And don't get me wrong. It is all of those small things, incremental things have made you become the person that you are today, the founder, the author, the speaker, everything. But what would you say through all those processes, you know, the question is going to come. What does being imperfectly perfect mean to you? Being perfectly perfect means simply being my authentic self. In that, I am perfectly who I'm meant to be, who me, in all my flaws and all my characteristics and all my errors and in all the good things and the bad, they all come together in an imperfect way, but it's perfect me. With that, I think that everybody should understand that we are all imperfect. That's a given. There's only one, one power that's perfect. But we are the perfect versions 
of ourselves. And when we recognize that and we really truly hone into that, we will set ourselves free to be whoever we want to be. You know what? I'm actually going to bring a book out with every single person that's been a part of the campaign with what Imperfectly Perfect means to you. This is just beautiful. Everyone says such a different thing, but it comes back to a commonality of the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird how it just comes out. But I want to know, remove all the masks, any mask you may have put on throughout the years, remove your title, remove your profession, remove the successes, the wins, the sacrifices, go back to a space in your heart and just let it flow. Think of anybody that might be listening to this right now. What piece of advice would you give to them? Don't give up. And it sounds so cliche, but honest to God, if that was something that I listened to you for years and years and years, things would have been different, but it wasn't meant to be different. I was meant to learn what I learned in the time. But when something's in your head and something's in your heart, don't give up. Don't let other people talk you out of it because they will. Just keep going and surround yourself with those people that aren't going to talk you out of it. So even if it's not the same thing, find people who also have dreams and goals and want to do incredible things with their life because people that the naysayers, they don't believe that it's not that they believe that you can't do it. It's that they, they don't believe that they can do it. So they don't want you to do it either. And so that's what I would just say. Stop comparing your life with everybody else's and just focus on your trajectory you weren't meant to be anybody else and just don't give up and guys that is wisdom right there just remember that because what christy spoke about when it comes to and i say sowing seeds you sow seeds into relationships and they do come back may not be now may not be tomorrow but it's happened with ipc as well people from three years ago have suddenly come back and gone wow, the consistency and the growth and everything, how can I help? Or this is time that we needed to do something for this. And I think we often forget that. So it's just like a plan. I always say with relationships, I build the most genuine relationships and you water them like anything. Mm -hmm. You keep in touch with people along that way. But guys, this has been an absolutely incredible episode with Christy. I want you to go and follow her. I want you to have a look into what she is doing because on any trajectory, on any outward success, there are still things when you are running organizations, running schools, wanting to make a difference. And if you are a company out there that really want to get behind something and help some kids, then reach out to Christy. They're in need of some computers at the moment. So reach out to them and let's bypass the bureaucracy crap let's come together in a world seriously this is the thing that i'm just like in a world where people need to come together there's always so much red tape and nothing ever happens so let's bypass it let let's let's take it back to basics we need basics with conversations we need to open these conversations that's why we're seeing all these struggles we need to help each other and not see computers being thrown out because of some red tape when young kids, we can shape their minds. And I could go on and on with this passion for all this stuff, but I won't. Christy, where can people 
help? Where can people find out more information about you? What's your social handles and your official website? Um, they can find out about me. It's Christy, K-R-I-S-T-I, Maggio, M-A-G-G-I-O.com. And from there, they have all of the different links that go onto it. The school uh, site is MaggioVirtualAcademy.com. And then there's also Maggio Multicultural Foundation. But my one website is has everything and social handles are the same, Christy Maggio. So pretty simple, pretty, pretty, pretty aligned all the way forward. Um, can I just say one more thing before we close? Yeah. That, that came into my mind is recognizing opportunity. And a lot of times young people, even adults, like, oh, I don't like this isn't going to do anything for me. This isn't going to happen. And and I want to say that recognizing an opportunity when you're invited somewhere, you're invited to do something or someone says, hey, jump on this or do this. And you're just like, that's not going to really bring anything important to me. Recognize the fact that maybe it will, because just like that day, something told me to jump on Clubhouse four o'clock in the morning, which I never do. And I did. And that was the day that I met you. And I, I had gotten away from that, but that was one opportunity that look at where it's led to today. Right. And so young people, especially you are going to be asked to do a bunch of different things in this life. And you may say, oh, I could sleep in late. I can do other things. It's Saturday. It's Sunday. Always show up for yourself because you never know what opportunity might be presented to you in that moment that might change the complete trajectory of your life. Boom. See, guys, that was wisdom right there. And this is what people miss sometimes. Like, we don't know what we don't know. And sometimes, and I often say, we could have this conversation all day because it's so powerful. But I even remember on Clubhouse, Lewis House popped into a room that I was actually in. And instead of people listening, people were too busy shouting over each other to get his attention. I actually turned to my faith and said, okay, God, I'm going to leave this room right now. But you know what? I'm going to come back in a few minutes. And if you're still there, I'm asking you, God, to give me a few moments of silence so I can say something. Anyway, went out, went into another room, something, came back into the room, maybe about two minutes, all of a sudden, everybody in that room just went silent, which was really, really odd to say everyone was jumping on each other for a long time. And I just had this little whisper. Now, those who don't understand that might be like, oh, of course you did. Well, I had a little whisper like you had a whisper that day, what you was talking about. When you know, you know. And it was like, speak. And you know all I said? I said a few words. I was like, first of all, I acknowledge the person whose room it was because he'd been forgotten about because everyone was attracted to Lewis. And then I just said to Lewis, I said, Lewis, I've been listening to your stuff for a long time. I said, I listened to every word that you said in this room. Thank you. But I have got to leave. I've got to go and put my daughter to bed now. And he sent a message in the background just saying thank you. That was it. Simple as but this is where the nuggets of wisdom come in. We all have wisdom through experiences and stories. And this is what IPC is about. This is what you're about, everything. But guys, we're going to leave it there. 
make sure you follow this lady. She's absolutely amazing. She's made a difference in my life as well, which I'm very, very forever grateful for. Make sure the whole thing about Imperfectly Perfect campaign, as you do know, is to have those hard conversations because at the end of the day, it's the hard conversations that truly save lives. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.